It's Simpsons time. You knew it was coming. You know, when I look at seasons two and three, which are both excellent, it's almost hard for me to enjoy them. And I say almost because, of course, I do enjoy them, but I do often um, watch those seasons through the lens of what came after them and... uh, It can be hard not to just sort of define each of those episodes as something uh, like a building block to a future episode or, you know, just a future storyline that goes through multiple episodes and multiple seasons and stuff. Um, And I know that that is a problem that I have to deal with because most people who love The Simpsons really just sit back and enjoy seasons two and three unencumbered by their obsession um, with how early things you know sort of lay the groundwork for later things that I hope makes some sense even if it doesn't I can tell you that today we're going to discuss or I'm going to discuss, you're going to listen to a discussion of episode number 38, When Flanders Failed, which did come in season three. And I think is an extremely strong one. I remember watching it when it first came out um, and being super impressed. Up until that point, uh, Flanders is not really that developed. I mean, he's the neighbor Homer is jealous of him because he's got all this nice stuff. He is a Christian. I think that is that has already been established, you know, that he's sort of a do-gooder. But this whole character aspect of him owning a shop takes his character to, you know, sort of a deeper level, a deeper depth. And there's plenty of, you know, dialogue between Maud and Rod and Todd and all that to really flesh out Flanders. Um, It's funny. It's uh, a little bit jarring um, how mean Homer is up until the end. I mean, he really is quite terrible up until like the end of the second act um I 
And, you know, we talk a lot about jerk-ass Homer, the incarnation of Homer that appeared or started to in, like, seasons 9, 10, 11, uh, where he's just sort of mean for mean's sake and irredeemably so. Uh, and that is not funny so much as unlikable. It comes at the expense of Homer's likability. But here, in this early episode, Homer is beastly to Flanders. I mean, he goes and crashes the barbecue. I mean, he's invited to the barbecue. He very pointedly stays home until he smells the food. Uh, and then, you know, like takes many burgers and goes under a tree to eat them. <laughs> With his back turned to everyone. Uh, and, you know, the whole thing of Homer wishing Flanders failure is not uncharacteristic of Homer. He would do that in any era of The Simpsons. Um, but, I mean, the way he fantasizes about it and the way he, like, rubs it in Flanders' face is unpleasant, I think. Of course, all of the stuff in his thought balloon, uh, the segues between all the different things that he fantasizes about are very funny. Uh, and yeah, lest we forget, this all happens um, because Homer wins the wishbone. Like they are, uh, you know, doing the thing where you crack the wishbone and each of you is holding a part of it. And all of Homer's wishes are first that uh, the president declares world peace. Second, that President Simpson declares world peace. Third, that President Simpson wins Super Bowl. And in all of those things where he's the president, he's dressed like the Monopoly tycoon, by the way, <laughs> with like a shiny top hat and stuff. Um, and then, you know, since Flanders annoys him by speaking at all, he amends his wish to, you know, Flanders' stupid left-handed store fails. And Flanders is bankrupt. What a terrible thing to wish. Um, and again, it's like it makes one vaguely uncomfortable. Um, to say nothing of the uh, act break when he's choking because he's laughing so hard that he won the wishbone contest and that means that Flanders is going to fail. He's still eating hamburgers and so, you know, he aspirates them and then Flanders has to immediately come to his aid while he's turning all different colors and that's how the end of act one happens. Um, I guess I should run down the plot. Flanders is very excited in the beginning um, because, as he says, he has quit the pharmaceutical game. That's a very good trivia question. What line of work was Flanders in before he opened the Leftorium? Um, and 
He's going to take a little bit of a gamble and uh, place his savings into opening this great store in the mall uh, that is just for left-handed people where there are many appliances and, you know, different things that one uh, would have trouble using the right-handed version of. The only thing that I can think of in real life that is actually like that are scissors, but I guess it is true if you're left-handed um, and you write in like a spiral notebook or something, you can't go all the way to the edge. And it can be annoying. I'm right-handed, um, but I suppose, you know, since one in nine people are left-handed, <laughs> that there must be somebody who can chime in on the IQ playlist who cares to, who's left-handed, to confirm or deny that. So he has a barbecue and invites people over to celebrate this and to announce it. Uh, Homer, as I mentioned before, shows up, is very rude, and uh, wishes something terrible to happen to Flanders and for his business to fail. Um, And then, weirdly enough, Homer encounters person after person in Springfield who happens to be left-handed, and uh, he withholds the information about the left-handed store from them. Many different people. The uh, bill collector, who... <laughs> Actually, he says his name, and I can't remember his name, but it's one of those weird throwaway names. Like, hi, I'm Curtis Wood from the collections agency, you know. And it's, it's funny because it's one of those names that's just shoehorned in. And, you know, he's like a sort of sleazebag-looking guy, a little bit like Mo, and talks a little bit like Mo. He complains that the ledger that he's using is made for right-handed people. Um, Mr. Burns, notably, does not like using his right-handed can opener for his cat, which we never see again, I don't think. This white cat that is seen uh, lounging on his lap and purring and all that. And that's the inspiration for the line at the end of the show, by the way. That's, feel the wrath of the left hand of Burns! Which I like very much. Uh, Barney is one of the left-handed people. There are quite a few left-handed people. I don't think the bullies are left-handed. They are... Uh, some of the only people in the beginning that take an interest in the Leftorium, and it's just because they want to shoplift from it, and they are not even interested in the stuff that they get. So as this is happening, um, I mentioned the collections agency already, but uh, Flanders is 
you know, falling more and more onto hard times. He has a garage sale out on his lawn, which I guess would be called a yard sale. Um, and eventually he's living out of his car, which is just heartbreaking. And it's only then that Homer has a change of heart and he decides to do right by Flanders and tell all these left-handed people about the left-handed store. Um, and up until then, it's just deserted. I hate those scenes in the mall where, like, just there's nothing doing. Flanders is by himself behind the counter and people are just abusing his kindness, asking him to validate their parking and, and so forth. And that's pretty much the entire A story. Very simple, um, but embellished a lot by, you know, the little drama between Homer and Flanders, which is, of course, very robust, very ongoing. Um, there is a B story, and that is that Bart enrolls in karate classes, and he doesn't actually go because he's bored. He doesn't want to read The Art of War. Um, and so he sneaks out every time and plays Touch of Death, the karate game in the arcade. It's, it's like a pretty thin B story, but I like that it gives the excuse to be in the mall because that's where the karate lessons are taking place too. So you can easily segue between Homer dropping off Bart or picking him up at karate and swinging by the leftorium to see how badly Flanders is doing. Uh, fun fact, the karate instructor Akira is usually voiced by George Takei or George Takei originally um, originated the role. But in this episode, it is Hank Azaria doing an impression of George Takei, which is so eerily close to George Takei's voice. And I think that B story is also cool because of how, um, how good the animation looks in that one little quick sequence. The first time he has to sneak back into karate to be picked up so that they don't find out that he hasn't been there the whole time. Um, he's in the arcade and then he's like, oh, gotta get back. And then you, you sort of see rushing past him all the different weird characters throughout the mall that he steps over and you know, rapidly runs past. I always like that. This is the same show with no more apples in the vending machine, please. One of the creme de la creme little moments between Homer and Burns. Um, which you know that it's it's one of those good ones when you can't really remember which episode it's from or, you know, you have trouble remembering. 
Because it kind of has nothing to do with the Leftorium at all, the fact that he hates the apples in the vending machine. Oh, you're that same apple from before. But it definitely occasions... Uh, Burns is being upset about the can opener because we're in his office when that happens. And there needed to be some reason to bring Homer into the office to, to observe that. And it's really, it's such a funny performance of uh, Burns and Smithers kind of like yucking it up over the uh, wretched employees and their demands. You know, he empties out the suggestion box. There's two in there. One of them is from Smithers saying that Burns is handsome and, you know, they have a laugh about that. And the second one is no more vending machines in, no more apples in the vending machine, please. Just the way Burns is like, oh, that's almost a sentence. He's really laughing at the expense of his employees in classic Burns Manor. Not to be confused with stately Burns Manor. Whoa! But Homer really does, he does do the right thing at the end. It's amazing, good for him, but I don't think it really redeems how bad he was in the beginning, for me at least. There's a little nod to It's a Wonderful Life at the end. Uh, there are a couple of shots that are taken from the end of It's a Wonderful Life, um, which is pretty appropriate because everything has been dismal and just looking bad until the, just the very, very end of the show. Uh, Maude is dressed in the same outfit that Donna Reed, I think it is, is wearing. Also in the final sequence, this is when everyone who's left-handed, like, has realized, you know, that the store exists and are thronging the store to the delight of Flanders and the Flanders family. Uh, we also learn that Todd can play the guitar. <laughs> There's just one little shot of him... Uh, Introing, put on a happy face so that everyone can sing along. And that's how it ends. And it's kind of like uh, the slightly later episode, Homer Loves Flanders, in that he does really make up with him and, you know, they have a good friendship and then 
here it's not remarked upon the way it is in Homer Loves Flanders, but he goes back to hating him in the very next one, or, you know, whenever we next see them together. There's one character in here that has no lines, but bothers me because I never see her. Like, she's just there only in this episode, I think. I've never seen her before or since. In the barbecue, sitting right near the head of the table, right next to Martin's dad, is a woman with those sort of tall eyes um, that Reverend Lovejoy has and the, the governor has and, you know... People who were from the first and second seasons like have these weird tall eyes, some of them. Um, and she has like feathery Farrah Fawcett blonde hair. It's like, who is that? <laughs> What's she doing there? And that's, I don't know, it's like a feature of these early-ish seasons that, you know, we see people in the crowd that are not identified yet. And, you know, later on, when there are more characters, there can be extras that we recognize. Anyway, that was When Flanders Failed, and this has been Simpsons Time. I hope you have enjoyed listening to it. Yes, put on a happy face, says Blossom Deary. I'm Amanda Nazario. Uh, really fast, I forgot to say that I love um, You Lie Like a Fly with a Booger in Its Eye, which also happens during Flanders' barbecue. Homer overhearing the kids teasing each other. Oh, how I love that. Um, during the this time right now of me recording... Simpsons time through the debaculator featuring a Simpsons time lecture from the past but this uh, bumper from the present uh, we the fandom have just learned that Alf Clausen is being fired from the Simpsons and it just I can't tell you how mad it makes me you know thinking of things like uh, Todd Flanders playing the guitar and put on a happy face and just listening to that dragnet style Simpsons theme that was running under that whole lecture of mine. It's like, how can you have the Simpsons without that? How? How? Anyway, this is not so much a space for rage or spleen venting. It's mostly for appreciation of the Simpsons, but I feel like I need to... Uh, at least tell you where I come down, you know, on this whole Alf Clausen controversy. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I will be back next week with another Simpsons Time through the Debigulator. Bye! Great clouds are gonna clear up with sunshine all over.